You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Mets fans. Welcome back to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we're in the middle of a miserable stretch of Mets baseball. There's no other way to say it. They are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They were swept in a doubleheader by the Detroit Tigers yesterday as we were recording this. They uh, lost two of three to the Braves over the weekend. It, it's just been a, a really, really rough stretch to watch the Mets. And it's been a rough stretch for reasons that are different than I thought. Like, if you had asked me why is the team going to struggle in 2023, I would have thought of different things than the reason the Mets have been struggling so far. So, um, you know, it is our weekly vibe check. How are you feeling about the Mets as of right now? At the moment, not fantastic. This is usually where I would say they're on a X win pace that's down to 83. So, oh boy. <laughs> or, no, uh, maybe 84. Either way, it's not in the 90s or 100s uh, at this point. And I do think that they will be okay, that they'll not lose two out of, or sorry, win only two out of 10 games uh, over the next 10, probably not again at any point this season, but I believe this is a stretch that's worse than anything they did last year, uh, which is obviously a little bit concerning. Uh, That said, they are still over 500. Uh, The Phillies have lost, I think their last four games in a row. They're back under 500. Uh, yeah, the Braves have a five-game lead on the Mets and Marlins in the division. 
Um, but this isn't something that you can't recover from. We've seen worse from teams early in the season. And uh, those teams have gone on to do pretty great things, including the Phillies just last year. But yeah, but yeah, no, this has not been fun. Uh, I think one of the big takeaways, having lost two games uh, to the Tigers already, having lost a series to the Nationals, is that we say over and over that you don't want to take those wins against lesser competition for granted because they're just not guaranteed to happen. Uh, and I'd much rather be in a spot that, hey, oh, oh, they, they only beat the Marlins, right? Uh, that's not something to downplay because you need to do that. And uh, you see it happen to other teams too. I mean, the Mets just have been going through it recently, but good teams lose to bad teams in this league. The A's are going to find um, maybe 30 wins this year, maybe even 40, but they, they were maybe the worst team that we've seen the Mets play in like the last 10 years. And the Tigers and Nationals aren't quite that bad, but they're definitely not good. No, I actually thought the Tigers, before the season started, had a chance to not be good. Um, but you know, I, I think that Spencer Torkelson is a um, you know he's a major league player. Javi Baez obviously is quite good. I think when guys go on their retirement tour, sometimes you see fun stuff happen. So that maybe Mickey Cabrera would be interesting. Um, but they have just been you know, very, very bad. And the Nationals, as you mentioned, are a very, very bad team as well. And both just flat out outplayed the Mets in recent series. And it is, it's alarming because of how bad the rotation has been. And the rotation was supposed to be one of the strengths of this team. Now, part of that is that as we are recording right now, the game is about to start where Justin Verlander is making his season debut and so the Mets have been doing this without one of their co-aces you know part of this is that Scherzer has been relatively ineffective this year and missed the last 10 games due to suspension Carrasco has been been ineffective and has been hurt we haven't seen Jose Quintana yet and Kodai Senga has had some growing pains as a major league pitcher all of those things I think any of those things would have been acceptable maybe even two of those things would be acceptable. But when all five of those things are true, it's sort of amazing the Mets are over 500 right now. When you add into that how effective, relatively effective, Joey Lucchese has been in his three starts, you know, he hasn't been a total disaster. Um, You know, Tyler McGill has been okay for the Mets. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's actually gone reasonably right in addition to all the starting pitching woes. The, The bullpen has been better than expected, you know, um, but it just seems like if the rotation can't write itself, it's going to be a very long, very bad season for the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say each of those things individually is not totally surprising, uh, right, given right. age or, or anything else. Uh, but David Peterson being awful is something that surprised me a little bit. I know that there's a variety of opinions on uh, how good he is and whether or not he's exciting to watch pitch, but I don't think anybody thought, uh, nobody thought he was going to suddenly suddenly turn into an ace and, you know, put up like a two point something ERA over the course of a season. But 
he's not qualified anymore because some time has passed already since he was optioned. Uh, but among qualified starting pitchers, as of a few days ago, he had the worst ERA in baseball. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't help. It, it, I do think that there's enough good with this team that they can overcome some of these things. But um, they're in a position with the way the team is built that if the rotation still is an issue halfway through the season, but they're putting up a, a you know a pretty good winning percentage and in the mix for a playoff spot, with, which they absolutely should be, they can't just sit there and do nothing. If they need rotation help, they have to go get it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Steve Cohen has the money that I'm not uh, one. I hated the idea of like a window uh, for competition even during previous ownership. But now he, he, the funding is there if they need to try to bounce back and turn things around quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying trade away every prospect in, 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 a, in a panic this summer, but you, you have to consider uh, how much they have on this roster that is meant to win right now and then act accordingly. So I hope that everybody that Scherzer kind of returns to form. Uh, it, it is kind of wild to see him struggling like this when last year was the best ERA in any season of his career. Um, yeah, granted not his highest total of innings pitched, but still it would, right. when he was out there, he was super effective, mm-hmm. uh, which has generally been the mantra for Mets aces now for like the last 10 years. Yeah. When healthy, they're awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but if, I mean, if he gets right, Sanga hasn't done anything that's like overly concerning to me. Uh, right. just, no, he, he's adjusting to a new league. Right. Um, so it's not too hard to imagine uh, that things will be okay. But this last stretch here has just not been fun to watch or listen to. Um, no, no, it hasn't. Um, and you know, like little things, they came so close to winning that first game in the doubleheader against the Braves, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Uh, and then you know, that really comes back to bite you when you then go and lose games uh, following that series to a team that's worse. Right, and, and they came so close to winning the first game of the doubleheader yesterday. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I felt bad for Adovino because he's been nothing other than great since he uh, joined the Mets. And, you know, as far as we can tell, seems like a decent guy, uh, easy to root for, all that stuff. So for him to be in that spot and, and blow that game, uh, that sucked. Yep. Yes, it did. Very much so. And, uh, you know, you just you just look at the team and – What's what's hard right now is that, in you know, aside from getting some guys back from injury, you know, Verlander, Quintana, etc., it just seems like there's not really a a savior on the horizon. There, you know, with Beatty and Alvarez called up and both, you know, playing reasonably well, I don't think you can get Vientos in this lineup without someone else getting hurt and you know I'm not not running for that at all obviously and even so like I don't know if there is if there's help on the way later this season I think this might be the best like once once they get back one more starter this might be the best 
line the, the best roster that the Mets can currently construct for their team for this season obviously you know um unless Edwin Diaz is a miraculous recovery and comes back in September which I think any, no one's really anticipating um you know I don't know if there is anything to really be hoping for on the horizon which means that these guys have to win or you got to go out and get outside help uh the Mets right. got a, a little bit of outside help today uh they signed uh Dominic Leone to a major league deal uh, Leon is a veteran of a number of teams, played for the Giants the last couple of seasons, also played for the Guardians, the uh, the Cardinals, Toronto, Arizona, Seattle. He's definitely a journeyman reliever, but somebody who has had success in the major leagues, was signed to a minor league deal. His um, his date where he, had, where he had an opt-out hit two days ago, and so he left the Rangers organization and came over, and the Mets signed him. So... I mean, I like that the Mets keep adding these bullpen arms, and the bullpen has been surprisingly good this season. You know, uh, we were talking about this a little bit off air, but you know, just the fact that you're getting solid contributions from Jimmy Yacobonis, from uh, you know, a, a number of guys that were signed as sort of depth or or just chaff to be you know weighted through. It, it's good that the Mets are adding to that, and it's good that a lot of those guys are working out so far. But the bullpen's going to break at a certain point if starting pitching keeps not going deep into games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that that is a huge part of it. But I, I'd love adding a, a capable major league arm. Um, like a lot of relievers, if you look back at Leone's uh, – and I, I feel like I'm in – the uh, the Godfather here, whether we say Leone or Leone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you look back at his track record – there's some bumps in the road early on, but overall he's got a 3.69 ERA in his uh, major league career. He spent time with several different teams, most recently the Giants for the last couple of years. Um, put up a 1.51 ERA for them in 2021 with uh, not amazing strikeout numbers by any means, but good enough numbers to support maybe not being that good, but uh being a solid major league reliever. Um, so yeah, adding that kind of guy to the mix where I think there's maybe a little more upside than, and, and like, we love him, uh, just the way he acts and everything on and off the field, but like more upside than, uh, Tommy Hunter. Yep. So yeah. But let's hope the rotation fixes itself. I'm not going to tell you what just happened in the game because we, we said we weren't going to talk about it. So I'm not going to tell you what just happened in the game. <laughs> um, well, uh, just know as we will finish recording this podcast well before the Mets and Tigers finish playing their game today. Yes. And I, I don't think anything that happens uh, in this game is going to drastically change the mood. It, I just hope it's a win by the time it's over. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so I, I guess my question for you, Chris, is sort of what's going to be happening over the next few weeks is going to make you feel significantly better or significantly worse about the Mets. Like you know, every season has a you know a stretch that is that is just regrettable, bad. However, you want to you want to say it. If this is the um. If this is the the bottom of the Mets season, I think we can all agree that 
you know, they can come back from this from getting swept by a shitty team in Detroit. But what are the things that you're going to hope to see on the plus side or fear seeing on the downside of the next few weeks that will change your like season opinion on the Mets? Um, I mean, as a defender of the veteran player, I, I would like to see a little more velocity and effectiveness from the Scherzer Verlander duo. Um, I don't like that. It's occurred to me that like, and, and again, this is Steve Cohen's money. I don't care if he has to spend it. Uh, like not really, but the, it's crossed my mind that like, Hmm, if they are toast at some point during their Mets contract, are they going to just walk away from their option year and be like, Hey, you know what? I don't have it anymore. Or are they going to be like any other human being and be like, well, I'm going to take the $43 million and stick around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I and I would not blame anybody. I, you know, the Mets signed these guys to these contracts, uh, and I think and hope that by the end of this year, I will feel silly for even thinking that. But I don't like that it's something that I thought about this week. <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> I mean, look, Jacob Degrom is currently sidelined with right elbow inflammation. Not a phrase you want to hear. I am not rooting for him to be hurt at all. I hope it's not serious and he makes it back out there. Um, but I think they they went as aggressively as they could to try to replace him uh, in the rotation and, and try to bolster this rotation given the realistic circumstances that were inherited by Cohen at the time that he bought the team. But there is a chance it doesn't work out. Uh, eventually, everybody does hit a point where they're not competitive anymore. Um, I just need to see 10, 15, 20 starts uh, before I jump to that kind of conclusion on of Hall of Fame pitchers. Of course. Um, but yeah, right now, it'd be nice if they just didn't suck. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's. I, I think I try to be pretty damn optimistic about this team, but it, it's a little hard right now. Yeah, and look, I I think it's, it would be very unfair of us to think that Scherzer is borked because of his start yesterday or to say that Verlander is not the pitcher he was last season because of, you know, um, a start today or because of his spring starts or whatever. You know, th- we need to have some time to figure all this out. And that is incredibly fair to say. The thing that scares me is I had read something years ago. We're talking like maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. My dad had shown me an article in the newspaper that was basically saying that the one thing that separates an aging player, sorry, the one thing that had separated an aging player of greatness versus a regular aging player was that the great aging player always declined more slowly. But somewhere in the 90s, that started to change. And great players just started falling off of a cliff a little bit. And again, I read this article 20 years ago, minimum. So I don't, and I have never really researched it myself. But it just seems like usually a player of Verlander or Scherzer's talents winds up going from great to good to okay to bad. But occasionally, they just go from great to bad. And... That is very scary. I don't think that's happening here. I'm not panicking, et cetera, et cetera. But just watching the last couple of weeks of baseball, it just makes you realize that that is certainly possible, and I hope that is 
not what's happening here. Right. And yeah, this is a sport that requires a lot of patience as, as much as the league is trying to make it feel faster. Mm -hmm. um, it just does. Uh, the season's long and the, in the short term, it's just going to be a kind of a lot of, Hey, you know, we have to wait and see and, and give these guys a chance. There is no alternative right now. Um, and, and just hope for the best, which is something Mets fans are very good at, right? Just, <laughs> just hoping for the best and supporting the players on the team. <laughs> um, uh, sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. But, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess if it sucks, at least you're going to have however many hours I wrote less of watching, uh, the, the Mets I, when I wrote about my concerns with the pitch clock, meaning that we had uh, less time to spend <laughs> with Gary, Keith and Ron. Yeah. I guess the, the other side of that, if they really do suck, uh, at least it'll be over with quickly. <laughs> the 2023 Mets putting, uh, putting you out of your misery. <laughs> Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think the things the things for me that I'm looking for the next few weeks is it's been a very weird season for Lindor so far. Mm -hmm. He has not been getting on base a lot, but when he gets a hit, it tends to go very, very far. I would like yeah. to see Lindor and the offense in general just normalize a little bit. That would make me feel a little bit better about the team. Yeah. I would like to see a somebody emerge and we thought it was Lucchese after that first start but have somebody emerge as a just solid chance to go six innings every game because that is looking like the starting rotation is just not doing that very consistently at all if at all um 
and I I want to see the bullpen continue to not break. But I think those things are all possible. I do I do think those things are all possible. And this time next week, the Mets could have won six straight, and we could be laughing about how we felt a week ago. But it just there there isn't like a magic bullet out there, and that's I think what's what's the scariest to me. And I mentioned this before. There isn't that savior on the farm. There isn't that once this one player gets hot, things will get better. Like it just seems like the entire, the entire team, the entire system is just banking on, banking on what's happening for these twenty six guys right now. Yeah, and that's scary. Yeah, no, no, no. And I, 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 that's that's totally fair. I will say we we should probably talk about Brett Beatty a little bit. Um, yeah. You know he's he's been hitting extremely well uh, after being off to a little bit of a rocky start. I also think um, I don't want to always just trust that what the team is doing is the right thing. Uh, and I understand, given decades of watching this team, it's very easy to distrust it. But Keith talked about it a lot on the broadcast, and, and Gary Cohn a little bit too. Um, but Beatty got sort of eased in when they called him up from AAA. And I think that wasn't the end of the world. Like, I know he's not starting today against the lefty, but he's gotten starts against left-handed starting pitching. He's had mm-hmm. left-handed relievers come in and he's faced them without being pinch hit for, um, you know, so he he was kind of on an every other day schedule for his first week. And then since then, he is clearly the starting third baseman on this team. Yes. And he's capitalized on that opportunity. Um, that, I, I I would just like to look at that overall situation and say, they might not have messed that up, right? Like they, they sure. might've just played that right. Maybe, maybe that was the right thing to do. Uh, we'll see if he keeps hitting like this, no, they're not going to sit him more than once a week. Right. Uh, they, they can't, uh, but it's, it is nice to see something like that working out. Alvarez has started to hit a little bit. Um, and, and yeah, uh, who knows if the, the offense hasn't really been a problem, but uh, maybe Vientos and Mauricio can come up and give them even a little more power in games than they've had. Um, you know, a little extra offensive support for a team that has a rotation that's struggling. Um, but your overall point is is correct. We're, we're essentially looking at what they have available right now. And if you if you called up Mauricio and Vientos, where would you play them? Like Chris McShane, you are now the GM of the Mets. Right. You you call Buck into your office. Say, here's how we want to play these guys. Where do you play those guys? At DH. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I have not gotten a look, not even on like uh, minor league TV, which which thankfully is included in MLB TV now. Um, but I haven't seen Mauricio play second base at all. But I guess you could work a scenario where Vientos was a DH and Mauricio was. Uh, maybe starting at second base with an outfield of McNeil, Nimmo, and either Marte or Canna. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, you could envision a lineup with both of them in it, but I, I don't think it's necessarily um, imminent or uh, something that we should expect a major impact from. Yeah, and that's not hating on those guys. I just don't nope. think that's where the yep. biggest problem is right now. No, you're right. And um, I think one of those guys might be what gets you a starting pitcher at the deadline. Yeah. And so yeah. you want to keep those guys healthy and keep that option available, um, 
whichever one it is. Right. And I know talking about Dylan Bundy right now is probably not like <laughs> expressing a lot of optimism, but he is in the organization. Uh, he was a capable, if very much not spectacular pitcher last year for the twins. Um, you know, he's, he's much, young, he's only 30. He's much younger than uh, some of the other guys in this rotation. Uh, things have not gone well for him in his three starts in Syracuse, but he also didn't have spring training. That is somebody who, if Lucchese falters, if McGill falters, um, if Carrasco is not looking good when he comes back, it's one more arm who's there. Because I do think this offense is good enough that um, they, even exactly as is, you'd expect some guys to, like you said, uh, have their performance normalized a little bit, um, regress toward their career norm. In some cases, in a good way, right? Uh, but it, it's it's a team that can totally compete um, if they just have decent starting pitching, and that hasn't always been the case for the Mets, right? You know, I mean, right now coming into today, they were uh, by mean they were just under the league average in terms of offense, um, but they're above the median because the league average is so skewed right. by Tampa just being insanely good <laughs> uh, at the top. And then the Rays and Rangers are scoring more than six runs a game. Um, so it hasn't been an elite offense, but I, I feel like we all see that it's not firing on all cylinders. And yet, you know, scoring four and a half runs a game is uh, usually a recipe for success. Yes. Yeah. Um well said. So, you know, th this is a dark time. If if the Mets are this bad next week, I think I'm going to have to seriously calibrate my expectations for this season. Um <laughs> not if they're bad this week, next week, but if they're this bad, if they are, you know, if they're just absolutely stinking it up next week, I think we're going to have to recalibrate our expectations. Um but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with this Mets team, or should we move on to music and happier topics? Um. Yeah, I guess happier topics. We could we'll, we'll spend more time on the baseball when there's more good things to talk about. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm just trying to think if anybody else on the roster has really stood out in, in a good way or bad. Uh, but uh, oh, I guess just real quick. I mean my opinion of what I saw from Justin Verlander and Binghamton a week ago is completely irrelevant because he's making a major league start now. Then nobody's going to really give a damn about what it was like uh, in terms of seeing him pitch there, but it was cool. Um, just to see a, a, you know, a clear hall of famer in a context like that. Uh, he, he had only pitched, I think 22 minor league games in his entire career before that appearance in Binghamton. Um, 20 as a prospect and they got called up and never, never went back. Uh, and then a couple of rehab starts in I think 2015 it was. And, uh, maybe the funniest moment of that day was that somebody asked him if he remembered that he had pitched in Binghamton before, uh, it was a road game on a rehab assignment with, I believe the Tigers affiliate at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was like, uh, no, <laughs> which, you know, and he was very polite. He wasn't mean about it. it right, just, right, yeah. You know, 
eight years ago, minor league stadium versus like I've won the world series and gone to Cy Young award presentations and married Kate Upton. I might not remember that random rehab game in Binghamton either. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, with that, would you care to make your music pick first since I've been very indecisive about where to go with the pine? I, I, I have been similarly indecisive, but sure. I will, I will, I will bite the bullet here. Um, so I, I'm actually going to do uh, a weird, <laughs> I'm going to do a weird one here. And so uh, this will take a minute. So strap in. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is called Election Profit Makers, and it is hosted by David Reese and um, John Kimball. David Reese is a, uh, a writer and uh, artist. Uh, you might remember the comic Get Your War On from the early 2000s. That was David Reese's work. Um, but David Reese was recently at a uh, an estate sale for, and it, this is uh, like three episodes of the podcast have been based just on this he was at an estate sale for this old guy who worked in hollywood and who knew ronald reagan and he had this house full of vinyl records and it was all like easy listening classical stuff but there was one album in there by the australian punk rock band the celibate rifles and reese was obsessed with figuring out why this record was in this guy's collection like it was all you know, Herb Albert and Burl Ives and all this. And then this one like Australian punk album from the early 80s. And so he did all this research and basically solved it in this incredible, uh, like, um, incredible example of doing uh, <laughs> like very deep research that, that doesn't matter at all, which is my favorite kind of stuff to do. Uh, it was very, very fun. But so it got me to listen to the Celebrate Rifles. And so uh, the record in question is called the Five Languages record. Um, and uh, they um, they are, you know, sort of what you consider it standard for early 80s sort of punk that is maybe not quite on the hardcore side of it, more towards maybe like the buzzcocks, that sort of thing. And the album had a couple of really, really great songs on there. It's something that I, I don't know if I will return to uh, all that often because I think there's a lot of records that do similar things that maybe I I appreciate slightly more. But sometimes the, uh, the best part of, of music can be like the journey that gets you to find the music and um the 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 the, le the last episode of election profit makers that just came out this week was basically uh it was a lot of reese just going through the research and how we figured this out and it was a very very fun uh a very very fun episode and um a very poignant one believe it or not it, it's kind of hard to hard to describe why it was so poignant but it it, it was um it was a very moving episode of a podcast. And so the Celebrate Rifles album, uh, Five Languages, would be my uh, my pick for this week. So a strange pick indeed. But Chris, did that give you enough time to figure out yours? It did. And I also think, uh, so David Reese had a TV show at some point a few years ago, right? Going Deep with David Reese. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah that show. was the, right. So uh, Amazing Avenue alum, Brock Mahan, worked on that show. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I forget whether he was uh, in a writing gig or a different role in that production he's, he's done a few different things but he's worked in tv basically his entire career um and yeah he he worked on that show so i remember watching one episode about like tying your shoelaces and yes. how everybody was doing it wrong yes <laughs> and i i have always had 
a tendency to remember weird little things that somebody said. So I, I don't remember verbatim what the method was that was in that episode, but occasionally when I tie my shoes, I think of that show. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's funny how you know I'm not knocking David Reese, but a relatively obscure show absolutely yeah work its way into uh, our brains, whether it's music, shoelaces, or who uh, <laughs> who knows what in between. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I, uh, I'm going to go with a record. I I'm glad I went back and checked because I almost double recommended a record that involved Ben Harper. Uh, but going back to the early days of our show, uh, that one has been covered here, but this one, uh, he made a record with a long time, excellent harmonica player, Charlie Musselwhite, uh, and they put the record out uh, it's, it's under both of their names. So it's Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite. The album's called No Mercy in This Land. And uh, it's just a really good, like, uh, Ben Harper is, I think, best known for a couple of really popular songs from the 90s. Uh, and they're not bad by any means. And, and you know, he'll, he still does tours with The Innocent Criminals, uh, which was his band name for all of those records back then. Um, and he'll still play that stuff, but he, he is like one hell of an artist. Um, and I think sometimes people overlook that just because he had a couple, uh, like, like popular songs that were, I don't know, again, not even that bad, uh, catchy, whatever, but like they associated with his phase in the nineties. Um, I don't think he's like, I think he gets a lot more out of everything else he does, than playing like burn one down or steal my kisses at a right, show right at this point and at, at various performances in, in different incarnations uh either solo performances or he, he basically broke out a whole new band for a few years um to kind of try to get away from it um you know he talked about not wanting to play that stuff but there's been a lot of good music uh, in his discography and this record is really good um there is one overlap. So the, the other record that I had recommended long ago on the podcast was the one that he uh, helped write and record with Mavis Staples. Um, something that Jeff Tweedy did uh, very famously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, on that record, the song Love and Trust, uh, I, I waver sometimes on whether or not I identify it more with his version or Mavis Staples' version, but it's really nice that there's both. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and that's on here. Um, and, you know, you've got his voice, his guitar playing. Uh, the other musicians on it, I think, are mostly from that era of when he went under the name of Relentless Seven. Um, and then Charlie Musselwhite can just play harmonica, man. And I, I think this record is sort of coming to mind a little bit, um, actually, because of a King Gizzard connection. Uh, Ambrose Kenny Smith from King Gizzard. Uh, his, his father passed away uh, just a few days ago. And he was like a huge harmonica player and made a bunch of music in the 70s. And I've heard some of it, but I want to dive in a little bit more before I go and make that my album recommendation. Sure. Um, but Ambrose plays a ton of harmonica in the Murlocs and King Gizzard. Um, so in the spirit of great harmonica musicians, uh, my mind went to this album. So it's a really nice blend. Uh, two musicians, definitely from a different generation. I mean, Ben Harper's not young per se, but Charlie Musselwhite's almost 80. So, right. you know, 
there's a little bit of a gap there. And I love when you see that, um, you know, Jack White's done it a bunch, like linking up with musicians who made outstanding music 10, 20, 30 years before his time and, and then making a record with them. Um, so, you know, this is a good example of it. Um, maybe even a little more obscure than his work with Mavis Staples. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, and it's just a bluesy harmonica record with great vocals. Uh, you really can't go wrong. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have a lot of Ben Harper in my collection. I need to, uh, I need to get some recs from you maybe for some other places to dig into. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in the studio and, and to me, like I, I still love seeing him with a band, but when he plays solo, it's just, you know, it, it's, there's so much talent and so much, just everything there with it. Uh, and I, and I love that. And, of all the musicians who I've ever like run into after one of their shows or whatever, the dude has to be the most down to earth, nicest, like profusely thanks people for coming to see him and seems to really appreciate that. And like, I get it. You know, John Mulaney has that bit about Mick Jagger just saying the word Diet Coke and it, right. it appears in his hand. Right. And like, yeah. there's a point where you get so big that I, I understand that you just don't live in the same planet that the rest of us do anymore. Um, but I do appreciate when people don't get the ego. Uh, so that, that's always been a little bit of a bonus to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, that does it for our show this week. Thank you for listening. Let's hope by the time we talk next time, the Mets are playing better. That would be a really nice thing. Uh, until then, go to homerunapplesauce.com or patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce to support this podcast directly. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Machine. I am on Twitter at Brian. It's an app. And until next time, let's go Mets.